Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Listening colour. Good morning, I'm Elliot Moss. Welcome to Jazz Shapers. It's where the shapers of business join the shapers of jazz, soul and blues. My guest today, I'm extremely pleased to say, and honoured no less, is Sylvia Young OBE, founder and principal of the Sylvia Young Theatre School. Growing up in Hackney, the eldest of nine children, and with a love of poetry and drama, Sylvia left school aged 16 for a clerical job, and also trained at the Mountview Academy of Theatre Arts in Crouch End. She trained there with its repertoire theatre, performing and set building for new productions every few weeks. In 1972, raising funds for her daughter's primary school, Sylvia produced an old-time music hall section with the children as part of the charity show at the Theatre Royal Stratford. As Sylvia says, everyone enjoyed it so much, the children asked me to do it again. And that's how the first group of primary school pupils was born. An evening drama club charging 10p a class to cover hall hire grew into a full-time school in 1980 with daytime use of a boys' sports club in Drury Lane. With alumni including Billy Piper, Amy Winehouse, Keely Hawes and Karim Zeroal. I had no intention to start a business or school, Sylvia says. I just love getting the best out of the children. This is a very special Jazz Shapers edition because not only do I have my brilliant guest today, Sylvia Young OBE, the founder of Sylvia Young Theatre School, but I also have Sylvia, and, and you can see her thanks to the wonders of modern technology, my youngest child, Iris, who is an attendee, a student at the Sylvia Young Theatre School. So I thought before we got going properly, because Iris introduced me to you and you're in my life, I thought you should say hello to each other. So I'm just going to move the headphones onto Iris and you can have a quick chat. Hi, Sylvia. Oh, hello, Iris. It's lovely to see you. I miss seeing you every Saturday morning and and your news. You always give me the news of what you've been doing every week. And I do miss that. So I bet you've been busy anyhow. Yeah. (laughs) Since I haven't been able to go to Sylvia Young, I've been practising Hermione on the train, the scene, when they first meet Ron and Harry, and Harry put in the Philosopher's Stone. Has anyone seen the turd? A boy called Neville's lost one. Oh, are you doing magic? Let's see it then. <laughs> Fabulous. And you better go and finish it. Do you want to say goodbye? Yeah. Say bye-bye. Bye, Sylvia. Bye, darling. Look forward to seeing you soon. <laughs> and they're an unusual beginning to a jazz shape, I reckon, but we are in each other's. You're in your, you're in your school because you live above, above the school, I believe, and I'm in my house, but here we are together. Yes. We may as well be in the same room. Lovely to see you. It's great to be here, so, really. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I, I've managed to prize you out. And as and Iris introduced us and she said, Daddy, why don't you interview Sylvia? So here we are interviewing you. <laughs> you. You have been in this world and your name, you know, when I was growing up and I had friends who were at the Sylvia Young Theatre School, in the days before brands were brands, you had a brand. You created something very special. That's not what you intended to do, though, is it, as I understand? no. Um, as I would say, like Topsy, it just grooved and grew. <laughs> I never really intended. It just happened bit by bit, really, from the part-time school, from, from the original first group. There are at least seven of the original children in that first show in 1972. They're still great friends. They're all part of my extended family. And we still see each other when we can, of course. But we see each other very, very often and we're always in contact. 
So they've stayed like brothers and sisters, that little group from that very first show. It's amazing. I mean, theatre is like family, isn't it? Whenever I've been involved in, in the world of Amdram many years ago, there's a the intensity of the experience leads to very, very close relationships. Just tell me a little bit about what drew you to the world of theatre and why, even at a young age, you wanted to be involved in it. Basically, I had an interest. I, I mean, my first performance was in the local junior library's little drama class, or little drama club. And I think I played Joe in Little Women, which was amazing. I, I loved that, and that really set me off. And I do remember one story, really. In, not nowadays, but we used to have a nurse that used to come around inspecting our hair called Nitty Nora. And I found, to my horror, well, like many kids in my class, I had nits and I was sent off to the clinic. I was petrified they were going to cut my hair because to play Joe, I got chosen for the part of Joe because of my long hair. And I really begged the nurses at this clinic, please don't cut my hair. And they said, we have no intention to, don't worry. <laughs> but um, Luckily they did. And that was my first excursion and I loved it. And then gradually it was a matter of going to Mount View and which was a part-time at the time, but very intensive, very tremendously high-standard productions. And um, I just loved it. Your love of theatre and obviously your own desire to perform and to be involved quickly became a different thing. It took on a different role, as it were, and you unintentionally set up this school. How did you move from that desire to perform into a desire to actually help children grow into being great performers. What was the feeling? Why did you think that would be a good thing to do? I think basically I love teaching and things didn't move into that direction until my children were at the their primary school and I was asked to do things in the school holidays. They knew I had an interest in drama and had had some training and um, they asked me I do holiday classes in drama with the students the little ones, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And it sort of evolved gently with a friend of mine, Ronnie, who was brilliant. And we eventually did start this evening class. The children wanted to do more. Basically, it went from the school show we did at the Theatre Royal in 72. The children really loved it. And we formed a small music hall company, actually, that entertained old folk, geriatric wards, charity events, whatever. In fact, I never said no. And I think one year we did about, oh, I don't know, maybe 40 shows in a year. It was non-stop. The kids mm. loved it. And I wanted them to get more than just the little entertaining bits that they did. And I asked a number of friends of mine who were in the business if they'd help me do a class. And they did. And that's when we started the tempia time with a drink of squash and a biscuit. And it was great. But of course, the friends of mine who were in the business, they were fabulous. But then they got work. And I found eventually that I was left with it, I think, about 90 local children. And there was nothing in our area at that time. I was left with um, on my own. And I thought, OK, I've got to now employ people to assist me. <laughs> So I put it up to 50p a class and it actually then 
opened the floodgates. People thought Tempe was okay, and we'd get an okay class. But imagine that for 50p, they get amazing classes, and it really carried on from there. So we opened a number of part-time branches, and um, it was never intended as a money-making organisation. And in fact, I've never really done anything specifically to make money. I don't think I have. I mean, I really always wanted to cover costs, make sure that we had everything we needed. That was going right from part-time to eventually full-time. So unfortunately, we have to charge fees. You know, I'd love a situation where we could have a free school, but it won't happen, I don't think. Stay with me to find out how Sylvia Young has avoided trying to make money and yet produced a whole series of properly famous and brilliant performers over the years. I'm going to come to that. And that's seemingly contradictory position that Sylvia's taken and yet. So find out much more from my guests. You'll be coming back in a couple of minutes. Right now, we're going to hear a taster from the Mishcon Academy digital sessions, which can be found on all the major podcast platforms. Mishcon Dereas, Victoria Piggott and Dr. Rebecca Newton, organisational psychologist and CEO of Coach Advisor, discuss the impact of women in positions of leadership and on boards. The Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. Conversations on the legal topics affecting businesses and individuals today. Do you think there's anything specific that we can do to prevent the impact that many women find maternity leave has on their career trajectory? Yes, and I think some organisations do this very well. There's the question of, is this about having taken maternity leave or is this a question of having X amount of time out of the business in terms of your momentum? I'd say the pre-work that you do before maternity leave, like planning how things will work when a woman wants to come back to work and how that will work and, and to be strategic about as quickly as possible rebuilding that momentum is important. The other thing that, which is important for, for women who are going on maternity leave, but it's also important for people around them to understand is you don't actually know how you're going to feel about coming back to work until you're in that position and until you are deciding when to come back to work and, and after you've you know had the baby and started maternity leave. So I just encourage organisations to make sure that this isn't just box ticking of the kind of return to work plan and things, but having meaningful conversations with women as individuals, making sure that we are as flexible as possible, clear that we are as supportive as possible, that we're excited to have them back and want to do everything that we can in order to support them as they regain momentum with their work and and their business. And the other reason this is important to do is that increasingly men are taking longer periods of paternity leave as well. So this isn't just a women's issue. This is something for all parents and for other people as well. I think there's things where people want to step out and take periods of time away from their work. And, you know, the more flexible we can be, as leaders in an organization, you know, we're more likely to create environments where there is real mutual trust and respect and and you're likely to keep the best people or to have them come back, to have them be successful in the organization. The Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. To access advice for businesses that is regularly updated, please visit mishcon.com. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business. 
but it's personal. You can enjoy all our former Jazz Shapers and hear this very programme again on the Jazz Shapers podcast. Or if you've got a smart speaker, you can ask it to play Jazz Shapers and there you'll find many of our recent shows. But back to today's guest, it's Sylvia Young, founder and principal of Sylvia Young Theatre School. So as you were talking there, you were saying, you know, I never meant to make the money, but you've got to cover the costs and stuff. How did you take the squash and biscuits and 50p ethos and create such a high level of professionalism and of standards which have really created a generation and ongoing generations of really brilliant performers <laughs> i mean i mentioned in the introduction amy winehouse to name but one extraordinary standards you're a gentle person you're a you're a teacher you don't seem to be the you know you watch the films where you've got teachers cracking the whip <laughs> how have you produced this incredible talent um i wish it was an easy answer i think it's really to offer them the best that you possibly can and to encourage them and to keep their feet on the ground you know i do always tell our students there's talent everywhere and you have to just keep on training and working at it i know this i've got this policy that i don't do things just to make money and obviously you do need finance to support, but you just have to offer them the best you can. And as you've got bigger, Sylvia, and, and as you said, it was, a, it was a small class and then it was a few more and then it was a few more. As you've got bigger, how have you managed to retain that sense of family, which you loved when you came into the business? I think it has to be a family. Everyone has to be treated correctly and I don't think I've ever had any illusions of grandeur. In fact, it, it surprises me a tremendous amount when people know who I am. I still haven't got used to that. And I think it's treating everyone the same is very, very important. You know, whoever they are, they're all part of our company, our organisation. They all should be treated the same. And well, having said that, obviously, I can't pay them the same. But um, it's just, I want them to be comfortable with me. I want the children to be comfortable and happy with their teachers and the teachers to be happy with the school. Everyone has to be happy, really. And, and I can't say we've always achieved that because there's always going to be people that it may not suit in some way. But that's the aim, really. And your own kids, obviously. People in the know will know that one of your daughters is Frances Raphael, Tony Award winner. And your other daughter, Alison, who's a theatrical agent, having performers in the family, and indeed, I think Frances' daughter is, you've got four grandchildren, one of them is um, someone who some people may have heard of called Eliza Doolittle. Even me at the ripe old age of 50 knows who Eliza is. Indeed, I had the pleasure of meeting her very briefly a few years ago. What's it like having such fabulous performers literally in the blood? What does that make you feel like? I mean, it's it's sort of a relief in a way. In fact, this happens with any of the students that are successful. It's rather a relief that they've gone into the business and they're doing well. And um, Alison did start off acting and she did amazing work at the RSC, etc. Didn't work out for her, she became an agent. And now actually she helps me run the school, which is something I didn't think she'd ever do, which is absolutely wonderful for me. But... Frances, I felt, was always going to be a performer and she still is still working. (laughs) 
Still working. Yeah. If you're still working, then it's all still working. Stave me for yeah. much more of my business. In fact, she's at this very moment, she's upstairs in a studio with Sadie Frost doing, they have some sort of new style. I don't know quite what it is, but it's yoga. And they've got a, all sorts of things going on upstairs in that studio. Well, there you go. <laughs> An exclusive, a world exclusive that Sadie Frost and Francis Raphael are doing yoga right now. You are in a leadership position, Sylvia, and you may be the unintentional leader and the unintentional founder, but how do you combine the big administrative role that you have to play overseeing a functioning school with hundreds of students at any one time and millions of moving pieces, along with ensuring that the kids are looked after and that they're also getting the right training, that the quality of what they're receiving is still cutting edge? I think the important thing is to have good people around you. And majority of my staff have been with me for many, many years. There's continuity. I know they can give their best to the students. In fact, a number of our teachers are actually ex-students, which is it always gives me a thrill. But um, mainly I interfere in everything. That's the most important thing. <laughs> I, I like to know what's going on. I like to see the post, although that's gradually being taken away with me because the post now is so enormous. But I, I like to know everything that is happening everywhere, really. And that's getting a bit more difficult because the bigger you get, the more difficult that is. But that is my job. I think it's quality control and to interfere. It reminds me of when I talked to Sir Martin Sorrell, who's the founder of WPP, who said, absolutely, if you're not interfering, you're not involved, then you obviously aren't running a business <laughs> properly. It doesn't matter how big the business is. But it, it, it seems to me, Sylvia, that you have absolutely no ego. I mean, you talk about keeping the kids' feet on the ground, but as I look at you, this incredibly successful woman, this woman who has brought through some of the best most talented individuals over the last 30 years in in the British entertainment world and global, it's like you're almost surprised or you don't, it's sort of water off a duck's back. Is, is that just because in your head you're still the young girl where you grew up? Is that what it is? <laughs> I, I have to say that I don't feel like a young girl at all in the head. <laughs> you look lives. fabulous. But um, I, I, it does still, it's when some parent comes in or or a new and they seem to be quite nervous of meeting me and I thought what why <laughs> no I have to say I can't really accept that I'm this known although it does give me a little bit of pleasure I have to say every now and again good <laughs> although um it still surprises me Stay with me for my final chat today with Sylvia Young. Plus, we'll be playing a track from James and Troy Andrews, and that's all coming up in just a moment. Please don't go anywhere. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mish Kondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Sylvia Young's my business shaper just for a few more minutes. And we've been talking about, I mean, t- to me, the humility of, of you stands out massively. I-, I used to watch as a kid, This Is Your Life, and when I was doing my research, I read that you had been in This Is Your Life, which for a certain generation of people was staple viewing with your family. So it was obviously it was 20, 20 or so years ago. I always wanted to be surprised by the red book. Was it as good as it looked? Do I dare tell you a secret? Go on then. Now I, they can't do anything about it. I knew. No. Yes. 
How? Were you meant to know or did you have well, to? Is that actually what happened? My daughter said to me that she's going to tell me something <laughs> because she thought that I might say no <laughs> and that I'd be very, very upset. And she did tell me, but that was all. I wasn't involved in who attended, or who was invited or anything about it whatsoever. She said, that's the only thing I'm going to tell you that it is going to happen. And I, I'll be honest, I think I am an actress because I think I look beautifully surprised. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I dare. And of course, I haven't really been able to say that because if they'd have known that I'd known, it would have been cancelled. And although I was a little bit uncomfy, I did feel it was important for the school. Mm. It was such an acknowledgement of the school that it, it had to go ahead. But it, it was lovely. They brought my sister from abroad over, which was wonderful. And they brought a long-lost evacuee friend. And this evacuee friend, quite funnily, I'd gone back to visit my evacuee family virtually every year. And every year they, they said, oh, Teddy, Sylvia's visiting. Do you want to pop over? He never did. Never once in all the years. And then suddenly my programmers, that programmers, my long lost evacuee friend, <laughs> he suddenly wanted to know me. <laughs> Funny that, isn't it? Yeah. If you look back over the years, Sylvia, and you've still got lots of years to look forward to, when are you at your happiest? When are you at that moment when you go, do you know what? Norman, as you sweet speak to your husband over a cup of tea. Norman, I think I've done something great here. Do you ever say that? Or is that just not a Sylvia Young thing to do? I don't think it's a Sylvia Young thing. I <laughs> know. Uh, the only issue sometimes is that it's lovely. In the early days when we had the school, originally everyone was called a stage school. We, we changed our name to theatre school because we thought we were more acting then most of the stage schools were based on dance. And everyone assumed that everyone had ringlets and big smiles and whatever. And we weren't like that at all. And in the early days, I know our earlier students, when they left, were reluctant to mention that they trained at Sylvia Young's because it was all these sort of schools were not thought very highly of. Mm. But now, I must admit, it does give me pleasure that I find that all sorts of people say they trained at Sylvia Young's. And I think we've at long last become very credible. And it's good for, to have Sylvia Young on their CV, if it was just Saturdays or full time. And I find there's a lot of people I've never even heard of, but they trained at Sylvia <laughs> Young's. And um, I have to say that gives me great pleasure. <laughs> I bet it does. There's one last question before I ask you about your song choice, which is obviously the pandemic has hit education super hard. It's hit the world of entertainment really hard. How have you managed to retain your sanity and your optimism? And when do you think it's all going to come back? I think everyone's having difficulty retaining their sanity and optimism. We can only hope that everything will get better. It has to. We're very fortunate. Our online classes are very good. Our staff are very, very good. But I can't wait for it all to be over and the students to be back again, doing all the things that they should be. But um, we just have to stay optimistic. So Sylvia, thinking about when things open up again, what are you most looking forward to? 
What's going to put a smile on your face? I'm looking forward to not having to sit in my glass box of an office and talk to the children. Oh, my goodness, I do miss them tremendously. In fact, you know, with the new ones that started September, I've had virtually no words with them at all. But I, I miss the children. I do love to see them and chat to them. It's been lovely talking to you, Sylvia Young, of Sylvia Young Theatre School fame. Even though you're sort of half okay with being famous, you are famous. She's famous, this one I'm talking to. It's great. Uh, Just before I let you go, thank you for your time and looking at you, looking cosy there in the school itself. What's your song choice and why have you chosen it? It's called Measure the Valley, Measure the Hills. It's from the musical Raisin that was based on the play Raisin in the Sun. It's about a a black family in the 60s, no, 50s, actually. And this particular song, we used an excerpt of it in this school show. And I was able to cast all the members of the family except the mother. I couldn't find anyone who could sing this song at the full-time school. I went to my part-time classes, couldn't find anyone at singing. Then went into the drama class and asked them all to try. And there was this girl... Very big, very, very pretty girl, black girl that was always seemed to be sitting at the back of the class, not involving herself very much, but obviously wanting to be there. And she offered to sing and out came this phenomenal voice. And I, the part was cast and she sang it beautifully. And I found that after success with this song in our school show, she was no longer hugging the back of the classroom. She was out there. She was confident. Whether it was the words of the song or her success, I don't know. But it made a lot of difference to her. And she was wonderful. That was Deborah Allen with Measure the Valleys from the musical Raisin, the song choice of my business shaper today, Sylvia Young. She talked about it never being about the money. She talked about the fact that she wants to treat everyone the same, that for all those students that have come through however famous they become they must keep their feet on the ground and most importantly and above everything else she wanted to be part of and create a sense of family really lovely stuff that's it from me and jazz shapers have a lovely safe weekend jazz shapers on jazz fm in partnership with mishkondorea it's business but it's personal. We hope you enjoy that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishcon.com forward slash jazz shapers.